Welcome to another episode of the Global Storytime Podcast, where every two weeks I bring you a folktale from a different country or culture, and every two weeks I also release an episode that helps us learn more about the country or culture from where that story was written. I'm your host, Diane Strand. This week, we're going to New Zealand. To start learning about New Zealand, let's find it on a map. New Zealand is a country in the South Pacific that is made up of two main islands, known as the North Island and the South Island, and there's 70 other smaller islands that also make up the country. To the west of New Zealand is the Tasman Sea, which separates New Zealand from Australia. In my head, New Zealand and Australia were closer together, but there's actually 2,500 miles of water separating them and a flight from Sydney to Wellington takes about four hours. To the north of New Zealand are the island nations of Fiji, Tonga, and Vanuatu, and the French overseas territorial island of New Caledonia. To the east is the South Pacific Ocean, and to the south is the Southern Ocean, which is between New Zealand and Antarctica. The capital of New Zealand is Wellington, and it is on the southern coast of the North Island. And its most populous city is Auckland, which is also on the North Island. The size of New Zealand is 103.4 thousand miles squared, which is about the size of the state of Colorado. It's just a different shape and split up into islands. The population of New Zealand is 4.9 million which is just a little higher than the population of the city of Los Angeles. Okay, let's get into a relatively short history of New Zealand. I say short because New Zealand was the last large landmass in the world to have people living on it, and it has only been inhabited for about 700 years. The first people to settle on the islands of New Zealand were the Polynesian explorers, who landed sometime in the end of the 1200s or early 1300s. The Polynesians are thought to have originated from what is present-day Taiwan and the northern part of the Philippines. They were renowned for their skills of navigating the Pacific Ocean in outrigger canoes and catamarans. They traveled thousands and thousands of miles across ocean and ended up building settlements and societies in many islands in the Pacific Ocean like Samoa, Hawaii, and Easter Island, which is off the coast of Chile. New Zealand was the last group of islands that they settled. This group of Polynesians became known as the Maori, which in the Maori language means normal ones, meaning that they're normal beings and not gods. As we discovered in the tale, a costume for Rangi, the Maori had a polytheistic look at the world, with many different gods that controlled different aspects of life on Earth, like the ocean, animals, and forests. So it makes sense that they had a special word for just regular old humans. New Zealand, being a rather remote group of islands, had no large mammals on it like most other parts of the world but did, at the time of the Maori settlement, have a species of large, flightless bird called the moa. 
because it was the largest food source available, it became overhunted and was extinct by the 1500s. This extinction forced the Maori to become less nomadic and more stationary as they started to invest more time and effort into farming. The Maori had brought the kumara, or sweet potato, with them from other Polynesian islands, and they also cultivated other root crops like taro. As towns formed, so did the tribes, or iwi as they're called in the Maori language. As resources like land and food became more scarce, small wars between tribes rose. It is debated how much warfare was really prevalent between tribes, but the Maori as a whole became known as fierce warriors. Eventually, the Europeans saw New Zealand, or Aotearoa, as it was called by the Maori. The first European was a Dutch man named Abel Tasman, who gave the North Island the name of New Zealand. In Dutch, Zeeland means sea land, so you can see how he came up with the name. I'll also mention as a little aside, the island of Tasmania, just south of mainland Australia, and the Tasman Sea were both named after Mr. Tasman. Abel Tasman had no intent to start any Dutch settlements. He was more interested in trying to circumnavigate Australia and finding out what other islands might be in the South Pacific. And so 120 years went by before any Europeans returned to New Zealand. This kind of blows my mind because there was so much European expansion happening all around the world at this time. But I guess those other places like North America and Africa and India were closer and larger and had more resources. Anyways, the next European to arrive was Captain Cook in 1769, who navigated most of the South Pacific and paved the way for the British to set up settlements in Australia. Over the next 50 years, Europeans would fish and hunt for whales around New Zealand and would trade food and other goods with the Maori, but still didn't start settling on the islands until the early 1800s. When the settlement started, the Europeans brought two things that the Maori really took a hold of, and those were muskets and Christianity. The muskets brought increased warfare between tribes, leading to what was called the Musket Wars, as tribes with muskets overtook the tribes that didn't yet have the weapons. The Maori also widely accepted Christianity, and the missionaries helped the Maori convert their oral language into a written one. Of course, the purpose of this was to have Bibles translated into Maori. In 1841, New Zealand officially became a British colony, and in 1856, it became self-governing, though it was still a part of the British colonies. The Maori, now realizing that the Europeans were going to take over most of the land, began to resist and fight back, leading to the New Zealand Wars from 1845 to 1872. This resulted in a significant drop in the Maori population. I thought this was going to be a short history, but it's going on a little bit long, so I'll wrap it up. But I'll add that in 1893, New Zealand women were given the right to vote. This happened 25 years before British or American women were granted the same right. During the Boer War in South Africa in 1899 and in World War I and World War II, New Zealand was still a part of the British Union and so fought on England's behalf, sending troops overseas. And then finally, in 1947, New Zealand became its own independent country through the New Zealand Constitution Amendment Act. All right, let's move on to languages of New Zealand. 
The official language of New Zealand is English, as you might have assumed. 95% of New Zealanders speak English as their first or second language. The Maori language was made an official language in 1987, meaning that it could be used in any legal setting. According to a 2018 census, only 4% of New Zealanders speak Maori, and the Maori as an ethnic group only make up 16% of the population. After New Zealand's independence in 1947, Many Maori people moved to urban areas for jobs and stopped speaking the language or teaching it to their children as they assimilated to a new environment. In the 1970s, there was a push to revive the language, which eventually led to its official status. When I was searching for music for this episode, I did come across a number of current musicians making songs in Maori, and I was happy to see that the language is still being used in popular New Zealand culture. New Zealand does have one more official language, and that is New Zealand Sign Language. Immigrant languages include Samoan, Mandarin, Hindi, French, and Yue, a Chinese dialect, all at about 1-2%. to Let's shift gears and talk about religions in New Zealand. Despite the large Christian missionary movement in the beginning of the British expansion into New Zealand, the majority of New Zealanders are not religious. According to that 2018 survey, 48% of them do not follow any religion. 37% follow some branch of Christianity. 2.6% of people practice Hinduism. Islam, Sikhism, and a few other local religions that are a blend of traditional beliefs and Christianity are practiced by about 1% of the population each. Now for the national sport. The national sport of New Zealand is rugby. Rugby, as you may know, is a full contact sport similar to American football, but with a slightly different shaped ball, very little padding, and helmets that look more like knit caps, like beanies, than helmets. The flimsy-looking helmets are a rather recent addition to the gear that players wear, which is so wild because concussions are the most common injury of the sport and are suffered by 95% of players. It's so nuts. Such a fierce sport needs fierce players, and the New Zealand team uses a Maori tradition to help them intimidate their opponents and get into the mindset for battle. It is a war dance called the haka. It involves chanting and slapping one's arms in unison. It is intimidating, and I'm not really giving it justice with my description, so I want to play a part of one for you. also cool that it is universally accepted that this is what the New Zealand team does, and it's always allowed in international tournaments. Now on to the national food of New Zealand. The national food of New Zealand is the kiwi pie. The kiwi pie is not actually a pie like an apple pie or a pumpkin pie, nor does it have any kiwi fruit in it. Instead, it is a meat and cheese handheld savory pastry that's usually made with minced beef. So it's very similar to the Cornish pastry or meat pie that you find in the UK or parts of the US or in Caribbean islands like Jamaica. It's called the kiwi pie because New Zealanders 
are often called kiwis. The nickname comes from the small kiwi bird native to New Zealand and was given to soldiers from New Zealand during World War II. And coincidentally, the kiwi fruit, which is native to China, was also named after the kiwi bird because they're about the same size and the same shape and the same color. Who knew? Our last bit for this episode, as always, is the fun fact. You may know that New Zealand is known for sheep farming. So our fun fact for this episode is that there are six sheep for every one person in the country. In the 1980s, that number was much higher at 22 sheep per person. So obviously the number of sheep farmers or the size of the sheep farms is declining. Still, six sheep to one peep is pretty impressive. And that is it for this episode of Let's Learn About New Zealand. If you haven't listened to episode 16A, A Costume for Rongi, go check it out. It's a tale about how the earth and the night sky as we see it was created. If you have any belated Earth Day celebrations, this is the perfect story to set the mood. Of course, if you want to know even more information about New Zealand or any of the other countries or cultures that I highlight, follow the pod on Facebook or Instagram at Global Storytime Podcast. You can always email me at globalstorytimepodcast at gmail.com. And if you learned something in this episode, let me know. You can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in again in two weeks when we head to some country in Africa. I haven't quite picked out the story, so it's still a mystery what country it'll be. But I promise that we will learn a lot. I've been your host, Diane Strand. Until next time, bye!